of the Fire and Water Podcast. I am one of your regular co-hosts, Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. And uh, this week, as I said, really special episode because we have an interview with Dan Abnett. Uh, All of you listening to this are familiar with the man's work. He did a great run on Guardians of the Galaxy, which, of course, a lot of that was used in the uh, Bafo movie from a couple of years ago. And he is, of course, writing Aquaman right now, and he will be the writer on the new series. Uh, He'll be handling Aquaman Rebirth and then the new series starting uh, later on in a couple of weeks. And so we had a a great opportunity to speak with him directly about him uh, working on Aquaman. And uh, so I'm really, really excited. It was a great chance to talk to Dan. Uh, He's a super guy, really, really talented, and I'm really excited to present this uh, interview with him on the podcast. But before we get to that, we have to thank our sponsor, which is InStock Trades. InStockTrades.com is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. My two selections are both Dan Abnett titles. First up is The World of Flashpoint, which is a collection of the alt-universe uh, DC Flashpoint titles featuring, among other things, Emperor Aquaman issues 1 to 3. This collection uh, Emperor Aquaman, Outsider 1 to 3, Lois Lane and the Resistance 1 to 3, and Wonder Woman and the Furies 1 to 3. The writers are, as I said, Dan Abnett, also Tony Bedard, James Robinson, and Andy Lanning. Artists are Artie and CF, Vicente Cifuentes, Eddie Nunez, Jave Fernandez, Scott Clark, David Beatty, and more. The cover artist is Ed Bennis. The page count is 272. Normal price is $17.99. In stock trades price is only $9.89. That is 45% off. So that's your chance to read some uh, Dan Abnett. And then also from him uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, the complete collection. 
Uh, this collects Guardians of the Galaxy, the 2008 series, issues 1 through 12. And like I said, if you liked the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, and I sure did, uh, a lot of the material that they culled from the movie was from the work of Dan Abnett and his partner Andy Lanning. So it's really, really great stuff. That page count is 296 for this volume. The normal price is $34.99. In-stock trades price is only $19.24. That is also 45% off. So those are two great books written by our guest, Dan Abnett. So for these and all the other trade paperback needs, visit InStockTrades.com. So uh, without further ado, let's just get right to it. Dan was extraordinary to talk to. Uh, I want to thank DC Comics for helping put this interview together. Uh, and it was really a, a quite a charming talk. I've had, a, I've, I've had the good opportunity to speak to a lot of Aquaman writers over the years through the Shrine. And it was, it's always a treat. And uh, Dan's enthusiasm for the title is uh, infectious. I mean, I've really been enjoying what he's been doing up to this point. But it sounds like that is a sort of prelude for what's coming uh, uh post uh, rebirth so i'm really really excited about the title about his work uh, about brad walker's uh, work on the book and as an artist and we get into all that in this interview so uh, i hope you enjoy uh, we're not going to do a sign off at the end of the show we're just going to let uh, dan have the last word so uh, as always if you want to uh, leave comments on this episode please visit the website which is fireandwaterpodcast.com and you can use the contact page or you can just leave comments on the individual show threads you can also follow the show on twitter which is at FW Podcast, and remember to use the hashtag FW Podcast if you comment about the show. So uh, if you want to follow Shag, uh, you can go over to FirestormFan.com, and he's on Twitter over there as well, and you can find me over at the Aquaman Shrine, and follow our Twitter as well, which is at Aquaman Shrine. So again, without further ado, here's my talk with Dan Abnett. Dan, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a thrill to talk to you. I've really been enjoying what you've been doing on Aquaman. Uh, I've been through this a lot. <laughs> I've been through a lot of writers on the Aquaman character since I was a kid. So I've really been enjoying what you're doing. Uh, I would want to start out asking you, like, how did your run on Aquaman come about? How did, how did this all happen? Uh, I, was, uh, I was actually invited to uh, write the book uh, uh, when I took over on issue for 49, 49, right. that's right. Um, they basically, I think at that point they knew that, um, uh, I presume in fact they knew, I don't know for sure, but I, th- I think they knew that the, the, the books were going to, to finish on issue 52 and then restart with the rebirth that's happening at the moment. And they, they, they at the very least they wanted a, a, uh, a caretaker to, to write the, uh, the last four or so issues of the book. Uh, but, and I was asked to do that, and I was happy to do that because I'm a freelance writer, and that's the sort of thing you do. Uh, um, but I also said at the time, is is this in any way an audition? If I do a really good job, it'll be mine. And they said, actually, we, what we want you to do is to, is to sort of pitch not only what you do for these issues, but how you would, you know, give us sort of ten issues worth of ideas. Uh, because we want to, you know, roll this book through and uh, and see what you can do. So I did, and uh, I can't remember if they. I'm trying to remember exactly how the order it happened, but 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 basically, I, I gave them the, the outline of what I wanted to do. They were very happy with it. We discussed it. Uh, I got on with issue 49, and uh, at that point, they said, "Well, we're really happy with what you're doing. So you are now the writer on Aquaman. You're not, you know, sort of. Uh, this is not a, a fill-in job, uh, which pleased me immensely." And then 
I guess about I was about issue writing issue fifty ish, the, the double sized one. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they told me all about rebirth and what was going to happen. And they said, "Well, a lot of the stories you've got set up and you're building here, we can translate to the new new run because Aquaman." Um, c- compared to other DC books, let's put it this way, is not being reinvented. It, it, it is a matter of just sort of uh, uh, refreshing and carrying on, but we don't want there are no, no sort of substantial changes or reinventions going on. Uh, so we, we, you know, essentially what you've got here works really, really well. What we need to do is to is to um, build a new, a new a new rebirth and a new first issue, sort of a, 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 a significant jumping on point to mark the change in numbering but other than that you're carrying on with what you're doing so so i, I was incredibly pleased obviously as, as you can imagine and uh uh converted the plot lines that i had into a, a new order in fact what i have proposed no spoilers here but what i propose to do for the first uh uh first dozen or so issues of aquaman is is, is entirely fresh um a few threads that I set up in those those last few issues of the, the New 52 run will carry over. I haven't forgotten them. I'm sort of a, a foundation I'm building on. But uh, uh, realising there was a relaunch. In fact, that was probably the biggest problem I had was that uh, uh, my issue 4950, uh, to me, was me making my mark on the book as if it was a number one. And then I immediately had to do a number one all over again. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, uh, find find uh, the momentum to do that rather than, than play that as current, which is fine. Um, uh, um, but yes, a, a lot of the things that are, is happening in the in the first sort of dozen or so issues are completely fresh stuff that I have invented and created to mark the book's relaunch. Uh, and during the run of that, I will slowly pick up on some of the threads that I have left dangling that I wanted to explore uh, in my original treatment. Uh, but, but yes, that was pretty much it. I was asked to. I used that as an audition and 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 got the gig. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I noticed that at the time on on your first issue, and I commented that on the shrine when I was doing the reviews of that. There, it, it had a feeling of just, you know, like let write the ship. Let's let's write the ship because yeah. again, we're not going to get into the whole what happened just before, but it, it was clearly that it was like people were sort of upset. Aquaman and Mira were were not were not together for for six to eight months, and then so this first thing was like boom. Now we got them back together. Okay, now we can move on to do this other stuff. Um, in terms of your your writing process, like when you, I'm always fascinated how different writers, comic book writers, write these things because you obviously have a lot of uh, sort of uh, different plates you have to you know keep spinning here do you when you're writing when you when you're writing an aquaman story are you writing themes that you want to address or are you writing an end point that you want aquaman to get to by the end of this issue and then writing backwards i mean how does it work in your head or is it more plot driven how does that work uh, it, uh, the the most honest answer to that is that i don't think about it in those kind of terms i don't okay. think i mean in that kind of uh, that kind of clinical thing. I sit down, I know what I want to do, and I and I write it, and then I make sure that the the the, the component elements of the mechanism of the story, the plot, the characters, the theme, and everything like that are are reasonably well represented and presented. But I I think it's more that that sounds very self-effacing. Actually, what is happening is is that. Uh, you know, when you're writing a book for for DC, for instance, obviously you've 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 written an outline, you've you've created story arcs, you've sent those things in for approval. That the story exists in a in a in a summary form long before I ever get to scripting. And and in that instance, it is very plot driven. It's very 
you know, it's the big overarching themes of what's going to make this arc, how long will this story last, how can I do this story in, for instance, two issues so it ends here and there's a clear demarcation with the next issue, what are the big themes, who are the villains, all those big plot things to make sure that the actual dynamism of the series when you're, you're, you're reading it uh, every issue um, feels right. You don't get very sort of quiet issues in a row and then something like, you know, sort of there's a good balance, there's a good, there's a good mix. Um, then I take that summary, obviously, the execution of, of writing the, uh, the actual scripts, and I write them full, full script. I don't do them sort of Marvel method or anything. I don't mm-hmm. plot first. And, I, um, uh, and then I really try and construct each, each issue to be quite an old school way of, of making sure that it's sort of got a beginning, middle, and an ending. You know, it's got a, it's got a splash opening. It's not just the next twenty pages of, a, of some eventual trade paperback collection. <laughs> it is a self-contained issue that each issue you enjoy as an like you would enjoy the episode of a TV show. But that's that, and it may the story may be carrying on next month, or it may be picking up from the month before the issue before. But it is a self-contained issue that's got everything you need to know in order to tell the story forward from there. And I think I'm probably ultimately a very character-driven writer i like the character interactions i like putting people together so so from my very simple coat hanger of plot that i've created to 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 get the editor's approval at the beginning i work out how to deliver that through the people involved in the story um and aquaman's got a got a a comparatively small but very strong cast i mean aquaman and mira together are fantastic mira i think is one of the most underrated characters in comics Mm -hmm. and um although i'm doing my best to extend the, the family of characters in the book. So there are more supporting characters. So there's more, more both both Atlanteans and surface dwellers and, and all sorts of stuff like that, putting more people in there who recur. Um, that core is very strong. And and the dynamic of those two, the two of them talking together or interacting with other people, I think is great. I think it's something that Jeff did brilliantly when he brought Aquaman back at the, the, the in, with the New 52. And I think there's something... Uh, he set a sort of model there for, for the way Aquaman would work as a really good book that I'm not, you know, not copying, but I'm certainly acknowledging and going, that's the sort of comic that I want to be producing, because I think it worked really, really well. And although you said, let's not get into it, I will mention, I think Cullen's run that preceded mine, uh, I thought was very bold and very interesting and very exciting, and it just it wasn't terribly well received um, which was a shame, uh, and I think it's—I think it was a good comic. I just think that it maybe it jarred too much with what had gone before. I can see—I can see, sort of sense Cullen def, definitely wanting to try something new with the the book. There's, I guess the reverse feeling that I had, which is—is—is is, is what can we do to liven things up? And and my response to that is let's let's build on the foundation we've got before. And he tried something rather different, and so I, you know, I I understand why. It wasn't terribly well received. I think that's a terrible shame. But I, I didn't. I didn't come on board going, "Oh God, I've got a lot to fix because it's all broken." I, <laughs> right. I, 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 I more came on board going, "Well, that was interesting. How can I draw a line under that to say that's happened now and 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 reintroduce the elements that I thought was 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 strong to it?" So it wasn't. It wasn't tossing aside what he did. It was just simply going, "Okay, that we tried that. Didn't work. Let's try this." Yeah, I mean, one of the things I thought Jeff Johns did perfectly, and and, and uh, for Aquaman New Fifty Two, and and out of the New Fifty Two, Aquaman, I, I would say benefited the most yeah. uh, of all the characters is that he. And I've said this for years. I mean, I've been reading Aquaman comics for good lord forty years now, and <laughs> one of one of the things that I always thought that that he needed was a slightly more established 
world around him uh, yes. that Superman has, Batman has, Wonder Woman has, Flash, all the big, you know, basically the big five of the DCU. And Aquaman didn't really have that. And that's something I like that, you know, Jeff Johns puts him in Amnesty Bay. He gives him a town. He gives him, a, you know, a base. And, you know, related to that, you, of course, created this uh, Spindrift Station yes. concept, which I, if they ever, whenever they do the Aquaman toy line, I want them to make the Spindrift Station <laughs> playset. I absolutely want that. Um, I thought that was a really brilliant addition to give I, this sort of midpoint of, okay, we have a little kind of Aquaman base here from which to operate and we can have the setups and here come the characters. We're going to explain what's going to happen. Okay. Da, 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 you know, um, when did that come into it? Cause I think that's a, I really think that's a great addition to the Aquaman universe. I think that was something that I thought of, uh, right when I took over on 49. And in fact, if, if, if I had had an inkling of what was going to happen in rebirth, I might've saved it, mm. but obviously it's, it is one of the main elements that does get carried over, uh, into the, into the new, new, new run of, of the comic, I think Aquaman is is particularly interesting. You think of Aquaman, you think of the you know he's the he's the the king of the sea, and he's a you know sea based, and it's it's oceanic, and it's underwater, and it's Atlantis, and it's all those things. Of course, it's all those things because it wouldn't be Aquaman without them. But actually, what Jeff showed, and I think it's it's the, the biggest lesson that any writer can take from that run, is that Aquaman is most interesting and popular and appealing when he's on dry land. When, when you take him out of his obvious element and put him in, the re, in, in as it were, the real world, it's that, uh, and I hesitate to use the phrase, but fish out of water thing, but where, <laughs> where if you put him there, and, and you, if you think about the other, uh, the other big DC characters, I mean, sort of uh, Wonder Woman's from Themyscira, but, but, her, but she works so well when she's put into the, the modern world, as it were. Superman's from Krypton, but he works so well when he's in the modern world. Uh, Batman is from Gotham, but he's, he, he's, his entire milieu is, 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 is the thing that created him. So that works really, really well. Aquaman is, as it were, from Atlantis. But like Superman, he needs, I think, to work. He works best when you put him uh, in a city or, or, or around people who can react to him. Because, because I think that, that difference, and I think that's one of the things... Um, that I was learning. I'm just, it's not that I'm not going to do any stories about Atlantis. It's not that I'm never going to show him underwater. I'm not going to ignore those sorts of things. But but actually, what Spindrift was was created really to show uh, his effort to interact with the world that he is trying to protect. Uh, and and I, I think about Arthur in terms of the fact that he's Atlantean, but he's also a surface dweller. He's actually neither land nor sea. He is the coastline. He is the lighthouse. He is the thing that stands on that divide between the two and watches over both. So to make him Atlantis-based is is missing half of what he is, um, uh, and that's uh, uh, quite quite a key point. I think also Atlantis is uh, it's been very well handled over the years. Particularly, I think particularly Peter David handled it extremely well. Um, but that that sort of the the mythos there is always a danger with Atlantis that it becomes a slightly comical, not serious fantasy underwater world, mm-hmm. uh, which is I think jars with how realistic Aquaman can be how sort of uh, SF he can be, how sort of strong and and potent he is amongst the DC heroes. Um, So I've also been thinking very closely about when I, when I take him to Atlantis for certain stories, I'm I'm writing one of them now. uh, I want to make sure that this is the Atlantis we know, but it's, 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 it's realized in a way that makes us go, gosh, this really is a city and a civilization and a, and a, and a, and a a nation and a, a culture and everything like that. It's not just, castles underwater with fish swimming around. Do you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. and I think um I think uh, god it's like I'm harking back to it too much but I think that's one of the things that Cullen 
did, which was increase the fantasy element a great deal, which is great and it makes perfect sense, but I don't think that's what the readers really want to see. They want the realism. They want the real world with a hint of the fantasy. And I think that's the balance that I'm trying trying to achieve. And, 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 and Spindrift is very much my statement of that, of going, this is, this is him literally on the shoreline. This is him that is both land and sea. If that makes any sense. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like if they made an Aquaman TV show, the Spindrift Station would be where a lot of the scenes take place. In. Yes. You know, it would be like that 70s cop show where it's like, okay, let's establish the plot. Oh, look, the scavenger's attacking. Okay, let's do this. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I really thought it, it was a, it, it a also It also literally demonstrates, I think his powers are more impressive when you see them out of context. When he's in the sea, he's doing the things you expect to see him in the sea, but him doing the sea. But, but, but the difference between him and other Atlanteans and... Uh, the surface are more strongly felt on the surface. I mean, all the scenes we had in, in I, I think it was around about issue 50, 50, 50 and 51, where the FBI visit him at Spindrift Station right. and they've got dry rooms, they've got rooms for, for surface dwellers. So some of that some of that internal mechanism of the station is full of water. And I, li- I like the idea of showing this is, this is not, this is, there are two things I'm trying to show. One is that Atlanteans are simply human beings. They happen to live in the sea. So the differences between us and them, as it were, are much less than, than the DC Universe feels. That's, that's one of Aquaman's mission statements, is to say we're all, we're all alike. Stop pretending we have monsters who live in the water. But at the same time, their biology is quite different. And that sort of alienness, I think, is really interesting to show. And you show it best when you, you put them face-to-face with surface surface dwelling humans uh, because suddenly it's you know it, 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 you've got to make make sure you be careful how you open that door because there's water on the other side that kind of stuff you know i think i think that's that's where it suddenly it has a quality and flavor that is is unique yeah absolutely i i, I have to say thank you for all that because that's something <laughs> i've been hoping people would bring to aquaman and and i think again i don't want to keep bringing it back to, to this thing. But I think part of the reason, again, that the, the Cullen Bunn run had difficulty is that for so many years, Aquaman had a tough time keeping his own book, you know, at finding yeah. a good creative footing. And then Jeff Johns brought it back with, of course, with the help of, of Ivan and Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and really reestablished him. And then Jeff Parker took that ball and ran with it. And, yeah. and it, Aqu- we we Aquaman fans are a nervous bunch because we're we're always sure that Aquaman being canceled is just around the corner. Uh, he's not Batman. DC will always publish Batman, no matter what Batman book they publish. If it doesn't sell well, they'll just replace it with another one because he's Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. Aquaman, n- not always so much. And so we finally had some some solid footing for Aquaman to be on, and then it seemed to get upset and that why I was like wait what wait what are you doing we were here. everything was going so well so and i think that's why people have responded to what you've been doing so positively is because it has that feeling of okay yeah obviously we're not just going to copy what jeff is doing or the other jeff or jeff <laughs> we're yeah. we're doing but going to take new elements and reestablish what people like about it. again making mira such a, a big part of the book um i want to ask you a little bit about the whole idea of of making her aqua woman and giving her the costume can you give a little bit of insight into cuz some people have been saying oh, wait, i want to see her back in the mirror i don't want to see her just dressed like aquaman and i've been like well this is clearly a storyline that's going somewhere so you know it's fine for now in terms of that she is dressing yeah. just like Aquaman. Can you give us some insights as to your sort of where you that came about that idea? Yeah. Mira to me is still Mira, and 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 the 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 Aqua Woman look and costume and everything like that is is pure as it were fiction. I know that there is a purport, there is a, there is a chunk of the readership 
uh, and I and occasionally I would include myself in it. Uh, <laughs> that thinks of her, you know, she's Aquaman. She's in many respects a stronger and more powerful character than Aquaman himself. She should have that status, and she should be regarded as such. And at the same time, I'm going, no, 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 no. Mira is Mira, and she doesn't need a costume like Aquaman's to sort of put her on some level of equivalency, and that's in fact wrong. So part of me was thinking this would be a fun thing to do if only temporarily is to show her in that role because it's something that some people want to see but I wanted to do it very carefully to show that that, that she does it because she has she's quite canny and she understands that for the, 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 the ignorant surface dwellers to understand who she is she needs to brand herself so in those discussions that she had when she you know, that was her one condition that she became the ambassador for Spindrift and everything like that is is that she says well I you know I'm going to play the surface its own game they're expecting either a mermaid or aquawoman I'm going to be aquawoman they will take aquawoman seriously because they understand superheroes in a way that they don't understand mermaids and that's what I'll be and I don't like it very much and Arthur says I don't like it either and she goes no but this is part of the responsibility of leadership, of, 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 of royalty. This is, this is part of the thing that I have to put up with. And I thought that was a much more interesting angle. Um, and it's something that we're going to see more of, is the idea that they, Arthur's got this great quest to, to try and, not literally, but metaphorically, raise Atlantis so that he's regarded as a nation of the world and that the, 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 the danger of war goes away and that he's treated as a, as a, as a, as a proper, distinct civilization. And that means that Atlantis needs to understand dry land and dry land needs to understand Atlantis more. And the way to do that is for them to be these ambassadors. And that's her way of being the ambassador, is to do it in a way, a kind of dumbed-down way that the stupid surface dwellers will get is that she's the woman, and it was so it was a, it was a little it was a game it was a it was a piece of fun but it was it, it more than anything it was to, to underline the fact that she's quite a clever political operator and and that's what she was doing and it's not and she knows it's not her this is not changing her character this is this is her her playing a part in order to achieve something very cool I dig it I think that's that's fantastic I love that um, that kind of dovetails nicely to something else I wanted to ask about. I mean, that Aquaman now is a major pillar of the DC universe. He wasn't always, but he, he absolutely is now. I mean, he's going to be in the Justice League movie, of course. He's going to have his own movie. Uh, do you... Is is that idea of making him the ambassador and, like, making Mira the ambassador, is that... Do you feel that... I don't know if it's the word pressure. It's it's, But I would imagine writing a Superman-Batman book is a different experience than writing an Aquaman book. Uh, but, like... Yeah, I- I, well, yeah, I think it's because that with with people don't need to have Batman or Superman explained to them. They understand the yeah. concept really, really easily, and they understand why these guys are, as it were, heroes. What they do. Ba- Batman is Batman because he's Batman, and it's cool, and he's got Gotham, and Gotham's constantly dangerous. It needs a Batman. That's it. It's that, that's the entirety of his remit uh, in order to understand what he's doing. Superman is this incredible. Um, um, inspirational figure he has immense power he's using it for good because he's superman he's this iconic symbol aquaman is the guy in the water it's in his name he's the guy in the water and and there is a bigger lag between understanding him okay he's the guy in the water who swims and he lives in the water and he swims i've got that and he's also a hero how do you get from one thing to another and and to me the idea is is to say he's got he's got this oceanic heritage He's got these powers. How does he use them? How do we see him uh, being a hero that has got the qualification to be a core member of the Justice League, for instance? 
How do we do that so that people look at the comic and immediately go, they don't think of him as Aquaman, he's the fish guy. They think of him as Aquaman, the superhero. And when they think about it a little harder, they go, yes, of course, because he comes from the sea. Do you see what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's trying to swing it around the other way. And, and that's what I wanted to do. He, he's, he's, he's a king. He's an ambassador. He's a hero. Um, he, you know, he, he could be, he could be, he could be um, Lunar Man. He could come from the moon. And the stories would be necessarily the same. He'd have lunar powers, and he'd be protecting the lunar city where all the lunar, lunar knights live. <laughs> and, and he'd be interacting with Earth because that was important. Uh, it happens to be that he comes from the sea. That's so that's obviously thematically immensely important. But actually, defining him as a character with a role is much more about him uh, as a hero um, trying to do good for the world. It, his remit is, of course, the whole world. It's two-thirds of the world is right. ocean, uh, but also the other third of the world that isn't ocean, is entire, its life cycle is entirely dependent upon the ocean. So in many respects, he's got the most global remit of anybody except Superman, really. Right. He absolutely has got that, and that's, he, that's why he's taken seriously. And also, as I say, the, 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 the fact that people tend to forget is that he's, he's not just a member, in inverted commas, of an alien race like Superman or Wonder Woman. He's the king of a civilization. He has the responsibility of running uh, a nation of people that depend upon him to represent him in the world, and he's got to keep that people out of trouble because the rest of the world has a funny feeling about it. So he's, he, he, he's harder to summarize than Batman or Superman, but actually the layers of what he's got to do, in the, and, and uh, again, the opening run of the new series really is about how he's trying to balance those different responsibilities of being a, uh, an Atlantean, uh, a, 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 a surface dweller, a superhero, uh, a, a, a husband-to-be, uh, a king, uh, all of those things happening at the same time um, so that he, so his job is, is tough. It, it, is, it, is really, it is really sort of tough. In fact, there were, there were a couple of points where I was writing scripts where I actually had to uh, edit them back. I was really enjoying what I was doing. I was going, goodness me, I've written, I've written 20 pages of Aquaman in the West Wing. <laughs> you know, sort of, <laughs> it's all political. It's all about the political problems, and it's great. And, it, you know, if, if this was Aaron Sorkin, it'd be fantastic. But this is, this is an Aquaman comic. Let's, let's cut back on that and make sure that we include the other things. Because once you start thinking about his responsibilities as a king, it gets pretty serious. It get, and that you, could, you could do a whole series just about that aspect of him. And I think that that's possibly one of the things that gives him immense strength. If readers can... can as it were, recognise that fact. It gives him enormous strength as a character, and um, you immediately understand why he is one of the big six or big five or however many mm. big characters you think they're interesting. He's not just there because they've got the other big characters and they want somebody else to make up the numbers, and he's, he's, his costume is an interesting contrast to the others. You know what I mean? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not tokenism. He's in many respects the most important and influential character amongst them. And the others all see that. Batman sees that. Superman sees that. Wonder Woman sees that. They all understand that. Um, and, and, and quite a lot of them are, are seriously respectful of him, what he can do and what he represents. We've just got to communicate that to the readership, I suppose, particularly people who aren't like us Aquaman fans. They're going, why should I read Aquaman? What's so important about that? And that's part of the message by actually making Arthur confront those conflicts within him and all the different sides of him that he needs to represent and try and do something about them and become very proactive is, is what we're going to see. I think it, it's the most immediate way of communicating to the readership of 
of what Aquaman is and how difficult it is to be him because he's actually dealing with those things. It's not something that you've got to assume in order to read the story. The story is about those things. Um, so, so yes, that, and, and that's very much, I think, something that, that Jeff's, Jeff, Jeff with a G started right at the beginning um, uh, by, by sort of bringing him back onto land and making him question whether he should be king and, and giving him a life on shore and, and Amnesty Bay and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, that's the thing I'm having the greatest fun exploring is i almost go right okay that's that story arc done um there's a lot of ongoing stuff there's a lot of meta story running through what i'm doing but i'm going okay what should i do for the next issue is it going to be is it going to be a personal story or a political story or a heroic story or is it going to be you know is it going to be atlantic or atlantis or is it going to be you know don't what do we not what, what do we do to keep that balance going I love the West Wing, so I love the idea of Aquaman in the West Wing. As you've heard of walk and talk, and this is swim and talk, I guess. Swim, I mean, swim yes. and talk. It'll be perfect. There was, there was one point that Brian, uh, Brian Cunningham and Am- Amadea Tatura, the editors I'm working with on Aquaman, who are both brilliant, by the way. We have fantastic conversations about what we're doing. They're very supportive. They throw great ideas into the mix, and we, we work them out. But we, uh, we had, uh, again, no spoilers, but we had a very political issue, which we, we ended up describing as the wet wing. <laughs> Could hear that music. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> um, you know, you you mentioned your, you mentioned a second ago yourself as uh, including yourself as an Aquaman fan. I I yes. want to wind back to that. Uh, do, did you read Aquaman comics growing up? Do you do you come to this as a fan? Uh, yes, to a certain extent. I grew up. Uh, you can tell from my accent. I'm in I'm in the UK. When I grew up, the first. Uh, uh, well, my, my sort of formative years as a comic book reader in the UK, it was very hard to get hold of American comics. Uh, there were some great British comics, including, you know, 2000 AD and the home of Joe Dredd and stuff. Sure. So the, we had homegrown stuff. It works very differently from the American marketplace. It tends to be anthology comics published weekly in a larger format. Um, and the only American comics that I got to read uh, as a kid, sort of nine, ten years old and on, on from there, were, I have to say, Marvel comics, because they happened to be reprinted in the UK, and I could read them. So I knew what superheroes were. I obviously knew who Batman and Superman were, because they permeate the culture. But I didn't get access to DC comics for a very, very long time, until probably my mid-late teens, when I started to find comic book shops, as they, as they, as they started to be. So, so I sort of voraciously made up for lost time. I loved Marvel stuff, but I, I wanted to know more about DC and the DC heroes. Um, and, and when I started freelancing as a, a writer and started to work for DC, I realized the great gaps in my knowledge, not because I didn't want to read them, it's simply I hadn't ever been able to read them. So, so writing for DC, which I love doing, involves a great deal more research than writing for Marvel, because, because it's not, as it were, second nature to me. But um, it, I guess it would probably be in the late 90s, uh, working for DC back then, and I got to write, uh, I think it was four or five issues of Aquaman, uh, as, a, as a bridge oddly enough, between the, the, the outgoing team and, and, and the, the new team that was coming in. And loved, I, I loved it. I loved the character. Made me re- Obviously, I had to read an awful lot to make sure that I got the, the hang of what was going on uh, and realised at the time that I thought he was the, the, the most underrated of the big DC characters. And also, um, you know, obviously I would be happy to write any of the major DC characters, but the chance to write Wonder Woman or Superman or Batman or, or Green Lantern would be wonderful because they're such brilliant characters. But, but actually, Aquaman was the one I always wanted to write because I wanted to see what could be done with him and, 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 and how to, to make people recognise him as, as, as being one of those big characters. 
so this is this is this is sort of an ambition of mine. Um, and in some respects, when Jeff came along with New Fifty Two and started doing it so well, I went, "Damn it, someone's got their first." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, I'm very very pleased to be here. I am I am a fan. I've been reading Aquaman now probably for. Uh, well, twenty years, I should think. Um, so I, I can't, I can't pretend that it goes back to my childhood, but it certainly goes back, you know, a decent way now. And uh, and and there's something actually quite joyful about discovering something late on when you you weren't able to read it as a kid, mm. and and learning about it, and a sort of crash course learning about it, which is uh, which is enormously good fun. Um, yeah, but I absolutely am a fan. Is there a particular run that you were like, "Wow, this this is I really enjoyed this. This this one really worked for me." Uh, I mentioned Peter David's work on Aquaman. I, I think Peter David is an exceptionally good writer, and I felt that what he did there was, generally speaking, really really interesting. I thought I, I thought his uh, his 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 take on the character, his characterization has always been very very good indeed. But but if I had to pick one era, it would be Jeff's New Fifty Two. I think I think that was the 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 the, the most exciting, most uh, sort of sort of revolutionary by being by doing the thing that that was always there to be done. It yeah, it, it, wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't it wasn't completely um, uh, uh, experimental. It was it was it, he sort of did the very very obvious thing, but he but it was so obvious that people had been yeah doing. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> and he did it so well. I mean, he did it so tremendously well that that I would I you know that to me is the uh, is sort of the benchmark that that I want to I want to hit. But it, uh, there is something there is something wonderful about you know much older eras of Aquaman. The sort of the goofier. <laughs> elements of Aquaman, which is tremendously uh, entertaining. The the other book that I'm writing for for DC at the moment, uh, particularly for Rebirth, is is Titans, and 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 which is you know takes the original uh, Dick Grayson and 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 Wonder Girl and and right, uh, right. and everybody and puts them back together again. And that, 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 I'm not going to digress into Titans because this interview isn't about Titans. But I have to say there, I found I was doing a similar thing in terms of my. Uh, research in terms of getting in the spirit of Titans was was that the obvious thing with Titans and Teen Titans is to go back to Marv Wolfman and George Perez, which is you know brilliant stuff. Right, the seminal uh, work on the characters, yeah, absolutely. But it tends to be the inspiration that everybody revisits when they 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 write Titans or Teen Titans. And in fact, I ended up going back further than that to the to the early early era, the sort of sixties era of the Teen Titans when they were incredibly hip and. <laughs> and sort of Beatlemania, and it was all a bit crazy, and they had the weirdest things happen to them. Oh, weirdest yeah. Stories. Uh, uh, beautiful Nick Cardi artwork all the way through it, mm-hmm. um, and somehow there was a sort of nightmarish quality, because when bad things and dark things happened in what was otherwise a frivolous book, uh, they seemed much, much more sinister. So with Titans, that is actually drawing on that early inspiration uh, sort of cherry picking the bits of it that I really, really want to resuscitate that has, has inspired me on Titans, and in a way, although my key inspiration on Aquaman is what Jeff did, every now and then I pick up, you know, a really old copy of Aquaman where something much sort of more whimsical or comical or light-hearted is happening, and and I think that's a really important thing to look at because that's the spirit of of the early days, and mm-hmm. and and it should still inform what we're doing now. Yeah, they channeled that a bit on the Brave and the Bold cartoon. I don't know if you ever saw any of those, but yes. Aquaman was very lighthearted, and people at the time were a little like, "What, what, what is this?" But I love that version because, yeah, Aquaman—he lives underwater. He's got uh, you know octopi that bring him his food. I mean, there's an inherent silliness to <laughs> he this. He rides that... a seahorse for goodness' yeah. sake. He's, <laughs> uh, and I think that's interesting. That actually touches upon another interesting aspect of Aquaman that I think we we, we 
is something I'm very aware of when I'm writing it. Actually, I'm putting it on the page, but but superheroes, very, very iconic superheroes like Batman and Superman obviously have a life beyond their own comic. They are globally recognised. They, they, they are pop culture. And people look at Batman, they may have never properly read a Batman comic, but they know who Batman is and they respond to Batman as, well, he's the archetypal superhero, the dark vigilante character, you know, there's movies, blah, 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 blah. With Aquaman, uh, he has established a place in pop culture which is tremendously amusing, but he is the... He is the archetype of the naff super. That's a British term. It means the the slightly <laughs> dumb superhero. He's the guy who lives in water. That whole fishman thing that we were saying about. He's become the butt of jokes. He's become, uh, you know, he is he is the go to joke when when a, yep. a cartoon or a, a skit or a comedy show is referencing Superman. Even Big Bang Theory does it all the time. Mm-hmm, curse them. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the he is the He's the epitome of what's silly about superheroes compared to Batman is the epitome of what's cool about superheroes. And I that's interesting. It's interesting, his cultural position. It's a cultural position that I think Jeff has begun to dislodge. It's something that I want to dislodge even more. I, I sort of it's a badge of honor, really, that he has got this place in pop culture as the goofy superhero. Uh, <laughs> which is which is, I think is okay, provided you don't think that's all there is to him. And it's one of the things that I've done in, in Rebirth is to actually have that aspect is actually part of the comic that is to say that that, that that Arthur as a character knows that the surface doesn't understand him that the surface fears Atlantis the surface doesn't quite get him as a superhero but also the surface considers him to be the joke superhero right and he's got an uphill battle to do that and I actually we'd actually reference images of a sort of spoof cartoon series where he's the he's the he's the funny guy he's that, <laughs> he's that sort of uh, he's the character that we've we see and, and you know sort of um exactly the image that's presented by things like the Big Bang Theory is is the image that exists to me, or I'm, I'm writing it this way, in the DCU. Uh, the, the, the general population considers him to be the joke superhero on occasions or the terrifying invader from Atlantis. And there's no middle ground. That's what he's trying to do. And he, so, so there's a lot of... There's a lot of referencing, and, I, and it's, I'm sort of allowing him to gently sort of slap it back when somebody goes, oh, he's the fish guy, he's the, he's the funny guy, he's the guy who talks to fishes, and he goes, nope, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that. Uh, n- neither am I the sort of the, the, the tyrant from the rogue nation of Atlantis either. You've got to get the hang of who I, I really am. So rather than being uh, horrified by the fact that Aquaman's place in pop culture is as the joke superhero... I've embraced that. I don't want to pretend it's not true. I'm trying to make it part of our story. Very cool. I like it. I think that's that's really interesting. Um, in terms of uh, Aquaman's Rogues Gallery, this was something else that Jeff Johns did. I think. Do you uh, you 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 know we're three issues into your run at this point, and or four, I guess, forty nine through fifty two, and you have introduced a new villain, the Deadwater, and then you've also used an old one, the Scavenger, who, as I mentioned on the show, show on the show before, I don't know why I like the Scavenger. He's really kind of a mort, but I really like him anyway. Uh, yeah, I know I do too. I think. Anybody, anybody who can basically pull off a deep sea diving suit, yeah, yeah, in, in, in everyday use, I think yeah. that's fantastic. And 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 he's there's something quite ruthless and and threatening about him. But th- those those four issues that you you cite there are a sort of template of what I want to try and do, which is not forget the old and to to use his his rogues gallery. So got, got some great villains there, but also to to introduce new ones to 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 to. to enhance it to, to, to do a little bit of old and new at the same time uh, Deadwater was 
particularly the way it was visualised by, uh, by Brett Booth, I thought it was a fantastically monstrous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it was quite nice to do a story where he was facing this new threat, but it in- involved an old threat as right. well. It, it's uh, Aquaman's got a an interesting rogue gallery. He's got he's got sort of several really great sort of first level foes. Black Manta, sure, Ocean sure. Master, Scavenger, right. I think, would probably make that list as well. But he's also got gaps. There are, there are the, He needs more. Some of the other ones are not as cool as they might be, although, you know, sort of watch this space, because I'm, I am trying to, to, rather than just invent wholesale, I'm going, right, okay, that was a really, really, really silly villain. What can we do with that silly villain to make it not silly anymore? Um, so there's going to be a bit, a, a bit of both, I think, is, is, the, is the way to go. He definitely needs more... Foes, but the other thing about Aquaman, of course, global hero, member of the JLA, they don't have necessarily have to be Aquaman villains mm. for him to go up against them because he's kind of on call. He's there. He's a global hero. Uh, who knows who he's going to meet? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, I've always thought that that Aquaman, and part of the reason I guess writing a Batman comic is so fun is that you just have you can just spin the wheel and yeah. you've got a thousand cool villains to pick from. Exactly. Uh, you know, you're like, I don't even want to do Joker. I let, let, let me just immediately rule out Joker, Penguin, Riddler. I still got a hundred more really top level villains. That, that is that is, the, that is true. There are certain characters. Flash is another one who's who's definitely yeah. that. And and over at Marvel, Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have they they have generated rose galleries, and I think it's because of the nature of the stories they tell. They are they are literally crime fighting heroes, and every week or every couple of issues or every story arc, you need a new criminal who's who's got this particularly interesting thing that he does which makes him difficult to beat that's the classic template of spider-man which is why he's got so many brilliant foes yeah, yeah. um and batman too he's like what's the what's who's behind this what is the trademark you know that was that's kind of the template of the book aquaman has not got that template and in fact quite a lot of superheroes don't have that template it's more about dealing with threats and menaces some of whom are idiosyncratic villains that are memorable and become rogues gallery so it's so so sort of building that although Aquaman will solve crimes he's not a crime fighter right, so he's right. not going to have a rogues gallery in the same sort of way but I'm hoping to make some of his threats be they're old or new sort of memorable and possibly recurring big big menaces so that we, we get a sense of it but it's, it's it's I think the tone of Aquaman is much more sort of SF horror than it is costumed crime busting mm-hmm. and I think that's why his, the nature of his opposition his adversaries is rather different right right um, now, as we all know, that Aquaman appeared in the Batman v Superman movie, and he's going to be in Justice League next year, and then if he's getting his own movie in just a, like a little less than two years from now. Do you have any um, – and I don't necessarily mean to ask this uh, on, on a sort of corporate level because that's not really what I'm interested in or even anybody's business. But like do you feel any sort of compunction as a writer to c- try and craft what you're doing to either reflect or in some way – mirror what the live action version is going to be because obviously many many more people are going to know the live action version than are going to know the the comic book version yeah i I, the simple answer is no i am i am kept in the loop to a certain extent uh already on my because i've written quite a few issues that are still in the drawer that you haven't seen there have been a couple of occasions where jeff johns has had a conversation with me and said could we do this rather than this because and i've gone oh all right then that makes perfect sense but Generally speaking, my my prime directive, as it were, is to is to honour the tradition of Aquaman the comic, and it's the comic that I'm writing, and and that's that's great. They're, they're, if the if you know the 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 the, the, the 
divergence, there is always a necessary divergence between the movie version of a character and the comic book character. And having worked, I worked on obviously Guardians of the Galaxy for sure, a, of course. For a, my 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 Guardians run is what inspired the first film, but the film itself was not, you know, a direct lift. There were all sorts of changes that took place. You can see that with with the other Marvel characters, like um, uh, Captain America, for instance, is not the same Captain America as. Captain America in the comic necessarily because those things translate sideways and once once you've got a successful movie or movies running alongside your comic you can you can do a little bit, bit of both you can do things that are a direct nod to the movies uh, but you also maintain the the momentum i think i think uh, in many respects the comics have got a um a responsibility to stay ahead of the movies to tell new stories and to expand and do different and exciting and controversial things uh, so that the movies have got loads and loads of material to start eating into. I think it, I think that's something that we've certainly seen with the Marvel movies. I think it's something we'll see with the DC movies as well. Is 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 that the the the, the comics shouldn't be hamstrung by what the movies are doing. They should be free to create and innovate. And then if that feeds back, then that's brilliant. I am sure there will come a point, if I'm lucky enough to still be writing it, when the movie Aquaman movies, plural, let's, let's hope for a series of them, appear, um, that there will be certain things that I'll go, well, I've really got to do that in the comic because people expect it because they've seen it in the movie. Uh, but but not to the point of compromising what the comic is, I think. That, that's, that, that would be my sort of yardstick. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, kind of the last thing I, I want to ask you about before we wrap up here is, of course, you're working with artist Brad Walker yeah. on the new Aquaman series, and the stuff I've seen looks tremendous. It's just beautiful, like beautiful work. Um, like, you know, there haven't – I joke about on the show and I've joked about on the Shrine that there have been way too many Aquaman number ones. Uh, <laughs> he, never, he never gets a book past 75 issues, but, uh, but okay. But, it, but you know, in the, in the history of the character, in 75 years, there really have only been – eight people that have written an Aquaman number one, and you're going to be, get to be one of those people. Yeah. Um, what is it like, like, what is your working relationship with Brad Walker? And do you, are you writing to sort of what you feel his strengths are? I mean, how, what's your feelings just about the book as you've seen it to this point? Cause none, of course, as we're recording this, none of us have seen it uh, no. other than little brief pits and it looks wonderful. And I'm just sort of would love to end this talking about what you feel is the strength of this new series going forward. I think uh, I think that it's got a number of different strengths. I mean, the opportunity to 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 start fresh, even though it's acknowledging the continuity that's gone before, just to sort of explode out onto the in, into the marketplace and 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 to, and to say, this is Aquaman. Start reading now. Now you'll get the hang of it. This is what's going on. And to do it with such glorious art, I think is a, is a, is a spectacular way of doing it. Uh, obviously, I know Brad very well. We worked on Guardians together. Uh, he he, he did, uh, I knew his work from it. He, he's amazing, and he's brought. Um, a sort of a level of detail to the to the pages so far that is simply astonishing. I, I find myself I wrote the first script or so for him, and I put in a few key sort of details that I wanted to do. I won't again won't spoil what it is, but sort of small details here and there that I thought would be really nice to be able to show that. And he did that, and then came back asking for more. What other details? You know, what what's this like? What do I? What? So I found myself channeling reference material for him uh, in a way that he translates beautifully onto the page. So there is a real sense of, particularly the reality of the real world works very, very well. And you've got to bear in mind that um, Aquaman uh, in its new run will be twice a month. Wow. It's double shipping, which is, which is uh, immense. And it means that from a storytelling point of view, I get to do all sorts of different things because obviously I'm, I'm delivering my stories faster. Right. The pacing is very different. Faster. Yeah. 
Uh, and therefore, there is there is a there is an urgency to these things, which is great. And I think it means that I get the opportunity to do slightly more than I would have done if it had been a monthly book. I don't mean that simply in terms of real estate. I mean in terms of storylines. I can, if there's two two Aquaman issues a month, I can probably afford to have one of them to have perhaps a quieter scene that I normally would have cut uh, because because of the, the scarcity of pages. But we get more character depth. We get all sorts of other things going on there. But because it's uh, double shipping, uh, there's no way any one artist, no matter how skilled and fast, can draw everything from beginning to end. So we have a, Brad is the lead artist and he's drawing amazing stuff, but he's part of a team of artists who are basically alternating and I'm writing certain things particularly for one artist and certain things for another. But one of the most extraordinary things that's happened, and it's happened organically, is the idea, when when you've got a situation like that where you're working with a team of people, more than one artist, Ideally, you want everybody talking to each other, and an editor will encourage everybody to talk to each other so that we don't miss cues, we don't make continuity lapses, that everybody references everybody else. That's the ideal situation. It usually happens, but it usually has to happen with a degree of of encouragement. With this, right from day one, all of us, editors, me, the colourists, the the, the letterer, the inkers, all the artists involved, have been copying everybody into everything <laughs> and there has been this sort of spontaneous community between us that has, has gone up so so an artist will deliver pages by email that we'll all see the moment they happen and the, the other artist will chip in and go oh that's fantastic or can I use that design when I do this or somebody will say I, I saw the lovely pages don't forget that that on page three of my issue um uh, that 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 the, his, you know the left sleeve of that costume was torn. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. And they'll pick up on this. So the the uh, I think it's that it's that communal energy is just fantastic. I've never experienced it before working on a comic, and I've been doing it for a long time. But just the enthusiasm, not to nitpick and 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 compete, but actually to work together and to make suggestions and to. So, so something I'll write a script. It'll go into the editor, and 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 it will sort of it'll it'll be nominally for one particular artist. But the cry will go out by email. Who, who wants to design this character? Who wants to design this thing? Uh, it may well be that it's better for a different artist to design it because it's going to uh, appear more in the story they're going to draw than it is in the story it first appears. Right. Uh, and and Brad gets first dibs, and quite often, very generously, he'll say, "Well, I'm not going to draw." That particularly, so I want the, the artist who is to be comfortable with that, uh, and and so there's and also when you've got those designs flying around, there's some stuff that happened for the rebirth issue, some designs that appeared there that were intended originally to be sort of throwaway. They were just we need nice designs for these things that appear here, and they were so cool that the other artists both went, "Can we draw those?" <laughs> and, and, and me as writer, I went, "Oh my god, I'm I'm not. They're not one shot." You know, they're not one-use things. They are so cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way of bringing them back in because they were so good. And that wouldn't have happened if we weren't collectively looking at what we're doing. And I, I hope that's true of the other DC books, double shipping. But it's certainly true of Aquaman that the one of the that that, that extraordinary sort of energy and enthusiasm that we're all getting. We're we're we're, we're, we're emailing each other all the time. Conversations going on, ideas sparking. Um, it, it's just a, it's just a tremendously creative environment to be in. And like I said, it wasn't done with an editor standing over us all beating us until we did it. It just happened, which is a, a you know a fantastic thing to be part of. Brad's pages, I have to say, are are dazzling. I've just been looking at um, the latest stuff he sent in, and, and they, he's done some 
simply extraordinary stuff. Um, and it's it's maybe it's because he's worked with me before, but he sort of gets he sort of gets what I'm trying to get at with the script, and he delivers it and then multiplies it. It's amazing. Yeah, the stuff looks beautiful. Uh, I know that everybody, uh, sort of, that I've been talking to of the Aquafins, we're really looking forward to the new book, Rebirth, and then the new series. So, uh, yeah, it all looks it looks really, really tremendous. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah, 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 be, uh, have faith. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that's really going to wrap wrap it up. I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on the show to, to talk to us about this. I'm really, really excited about this. And so I can speak, I know I can speak for a lot of Aqua fans, where I just say, uh, good luck. Good luck with the series, and we will be reading. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and, and, and by extension, to talk to all the Aqua fans. That's, that's fantastic. And uh, maybe in a, in a few months' time, when we've got some issues out there that are worth discussing, that we can uh, we'll have a conversation again. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, team. Let's head for home. Hey Shag, this is Dan Abnett, the writer of Aquaman and Earth 2. And I can say with great authority, there is an Earth 2 Aquaman.